Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about <coughs> spirituality. Well, it has really been some time since we've done this for a variety of reasons, some within my control, some most of them actually not in my control. We've had technological issues along the way and various other things. So it's good to be back. Good to be back uh, interacting with you and uh, hopefully learning something. So this is fresh thinking, which means that it's Thursday afternoon. In this particular case, it means it's a Thursday that is exactly one week from Purim. I'm sure everybody is quite enthusiastic and excited about the fact that Purim is just on our doorstep. Such a beautiful time and it's particularly beautiful, I think, in the current climate because there feels like there is so much stress around. Last night I heard somebody put it very well that for so long we were talking about everything's going to be okay after COVID. After COVID, then, you know, then we'll go back to life, then we'll enjoy ourselves again, etc., etc. And then after COVID, assuming, of course, that we are after COVID, I'd like to believe that we are, there's a war, the kind of war that none of us anticipated we would ever see again, kind of war we never believed that our children would ever be experiencing. Um, And I suppose reality is because of social media, our children experience war in this vicarious way, even if they're very, very far from the actual battleground. So there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of negativity around. It's good to have Purim coming because Purim lightens the mood and Purim raises us. And Purim is a breath of relief and a breath of fresh air. So I'm sure that you must be looking forward to Purim. I know that I certainly am, both on a national, international, and on a personal level. I mean, let's be honest, right? Load shedding. Load shedding, that's enough to create stress for any person who lives in this country. Other parts of the world, they don't even know what that is. And we have to explain it to them, that there's this concept of the country running out of electricity. And we feel quite idiotic when we explain that. Or when we explain the fact that we're quite satisfied if we have running water and electricity on the same day in this uh, you know, environment that we live in. So there's so many things that weigh down on us. So many things. And we need a Purim because Purim will help, right? Purim will get us out of this rut. So if you are enthusiastic, you're looking forward to Purim, or if you feel that Purim has something to teach us about how to navigate these huge challenges that seem to be all around us in today's world, please share that with us. This is how you do it in case you've forgotten. You send an SMS if that's your means of communication that you prefer. So you send an SMS to 34519. Otherwise, you can use the Telegram messaging app that's on 0618951019 and as always you can communicate on social media Chai FM or my own page both on Facebook and on Twitter at Chai FM at Rabbi Shish if you're using Twitter others on Facebook you know how to find us so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about a Purim in this this uh, setup in this world as we know it right now because I think we all need the breakout. We all need the escape. We all need to put on that mask and behave a little bit even childish, I suppose. We need to have those l'chaims. I think so many people are looking forward. And I don't want to get into a whole conversation about being alcoholic and around Purim and the underage drinking. Let's just talk about this in a completely responsible environment. Don't for one second 
not for one second endorse any kind of irresponsible behavior. But let's say, you know, have a couple of times and allow ourselves just to let our hair down. I think many people are looking forward to that opportunity, which brings me to what I think is quite an important consideration for all of us, no matter what's going on in our lives. If your greatest stress right now is the things that you're seeing in the media, if your greatest stress right now is God forbid something that's happening in your own backyard, we're all carrying an incredible amount of stress at the moment. We're all anxious to a certain extent at the moment. We have people talking about things like World War Three. You know, it's funny when it comes as a meme on WhatsApp. It's not so funny when you consider the possibility, you know, that there might actually be, God forbid. So with all of this weighing down on us, we need a Purim in our lives. We need something that's going to give us a sense of release and a sense of relief something that's going to allow us to breathe easy, something that's going to allow us to lift our spirits. And here's the big question. The big question is, do you feel that Purim is that thing? Maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you've got something else. Maybe you meditate. Maybe you have some event in your life that's coming up and that's going to change your life. Maybe you feel that you're going to pack your bags and move to another part of the world and that's going to change your life. Question is this. Can life be okay without an escape? Can life be okay? Purim is going to come around once a year. That's the reality. And you can have the best Purim that exists, and the next day will not be Purim anymore. Okay, the next day will be Shushan Purim, so it's kind of got a bit of a Purim energy to it. But then two days later, will no longer be Purim. So we, we tend to do this. We tend to clutch at experiences or events that are going to happen in our lives. And when those events happen, when that change happens, then we'll be fine. And that's a problem. It's a problem because it doesn't work that way. Just as we told ourselves, when COVID ends, then life will be fine. And now it's not so fine. The oil price has rocketed. There's instability in many countries in the Northern Hemisphere right now because there's the consideration of what could happen next. There's fear about other autocratic regimes taking a leaf out of the Russia playbook and, and saying, okay, listen, we can also go ahead and do things and get away with it. So there's so much that that's here when we thought life was going to be better because we all did. We thought as soon as this is resolved and as soon as we can interact and engage again in a social way, life will be fine. And we keep doing that our whole lives, you know, from when you're a kid. What happens when you're a kid? You say, well, one day when I'm in high school, then life is going to be good because when I'm in high school, I'll be able to do X and Y. Then you get to high school and say, one day when I'm out of school, that's when life is going to be good because then I'll have a license and then I'll be able to have independence and I'll have freedom and then life is going to be good. And then you say, truth is when I move out of my parents' home because then they won't have jurisdiction over me, that's when life is going to be good. And then when I get married, life is going to be good. And then when we have kids, life is going to be good. Then you eventually reach the point where you say, when the kids move out of the house, that's when life is going to be good. And effectively, we land up almost like kids on the monkey bars in the playground, you know, just trying to grasp the next thing that's going to keep us from falling to the ground. It's just not sustainable. It's not doable. So you've got a wonderful day like Purim that's exactly one week away, and it's going to, please God, lift our spirits. But it will be an escape for many of us. It will just be an escape. And I'm not saying it has to be. There's the possibility of achieving more than just an escape. There's the possibility of using Purim as an incredible catalyst for a whole different day that follows, week that follows, month that follows, life that follows. That's possible. But then we really have to know what we're doing. If we don't learn techniques, if we don't shift our thinking, then 
typically what we do is we just go from one escape to the next escape, hoping that life is going to change. I once heard somebody put it very well. They said, wherever you get on a plane and we move to another country, life will be good. And I can prove it because I know people have just moved to another country and they're telling me how good life is. Okay, hold on. Maybe certain things are better. Maybe, Tucker, your lights don't go off. At the same time, we take ourselves wherever we go. And probably one of the great challenges about the notion of Purim or the month of Adar or the concept of looking for simcha, for joy in our lives, is that we tend to make the mistake often of looking for joy elsewhere. Someone else has the answer. Somewhere else holds the answer. Some other time will be the time of that joy. And so we start to chase our tails. And if we are at this time of the year supposed to reflect on the principle of simcha, the principle of living a life of joy, and if Purim is supposed to be that catalyst that introduces joy into our lives in a unique fashion, then this is a time to be having this particular conversation and to be asking ourselves, so what does it take? What do I need? And how do I get myself to a place where there's stable, sustainable, ongoing simcha in my life? And that's what I'd like to chat about here today, and I'd like to hear your views. Where? Where do you find this from? 34519, if you're going to send an SMS. Otherwise, on Telegram, it's 0618951019, and I do believe at this stage of the game, pretty much everybody knows how to find us on social media. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. You know what? That's a trigger for me. That particular ad is a trigger for me. Because, just just pause for a moment. Pause for one moment. Here we are. We're a group of people living in the 21st century who have a laundry list of complaints about what is wrong in our lives. The power goes off at the most inconvenient times. There are still potholes in the road. The way those people drive, they should have their licenses taken away. The leadership of this country or another country that I have a passionate connection to, perhaps the land of Israel, the leadership is not as it should be. We've got a whole litany of complaints about the society that we live in, about the circumstances of our lives. And then you hear this. Download the Diskem app, shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices, and they'll be delivered to your home within 60 minutes. And ask yourself, what would our Zaydas and Bobas think about us complaining? 7,000 products. A hundred years ago. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents, never imagined in their wildest dreams having access to 700 products. <laughs> and here we are, with, from one shop, one, one place, 7,000 products at our fingertips. And life is bad, it's so stressful, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. I think we should pack our bags and go somewhere else. And here's the interesting thing. If that... If that delivery does not arrive within, what do they say, 60 minutes, yeah? Then 60 minutes, if it doesn't arrive, we'll be, we'll be hopping mad. The chutzpah. They advertise that they're going to deliver within 60 minutes. And now it's been 65 minutes and they're not here. What? 
you know, once upon a time, not very long ago, you had to get in your car and go to the shop and actually browse the shelves, stand in line, and they didn't necessarily always have everything in stock. 60 minutes. point I'm making is that we take ourselves with us wherever we go. So in this quest for simcha, for joy, which is the theme of this month, the theme of Adar, and the theme of the holiday that we're going to all celebrate next week, which is the holiday of Purim, that theme of joy seems as if it is elusive in today's world because there's so many bad things happening. People are not well. Things happen within our community that should never happen within a community. The world is in turmoil. How can we have simcha? So I like to think of it this way. I like to think of it that regardless of our circumstances, and this is very important, regardless of where we live, anywhere we live in the world, we will always have in our lives the storm. That means to say that every one of us will have something, and in many cases more than one thing, that creates turbulence in our lives. Nobody likes turbulence, right? doesn't matter how much you love flying. I mean, I'm one of those passengers. I get on the plane. They close the door. I'm happy. Nobody can bother me. No phones. Just relax. It's a wonderful headspace. But I don't like turbulence. When the plane starts shaking around, nobody likes it. Nobody likes turbulence in their lives. Nobody likes to have planned for an event, and the next thing, there's no electricity. Nobody likes believing that they're going to have a massive picnic on Sunday and then it rains but that's the reality the reality of life is that there will consistently be storms in our lives so it might be the storm of health challenges it might be the storm of financial challenges it might be the storm of political instability it might be the storm of mental health issues etc there will always be a storm in our lives it is absolutely guaranteed and the nature of people is that we run from the storm we run for shelter because we're absolutely convinced that if we can just get to shelter, then everything will be fine. The storm will settle down. I remember as a kid years ago, living in Orange Grove, and I think it actually wasn't. I was living in Highlands North, not that it makes a difference. And there was one of those epic Gauteng, or in those days it was just called high felt storms. One of those epic storms with golf ball sized hailstones. And this was in the 80s. If, the ha if this would happen today, everybody would say, oh, climate change. It was in the 80s before it was a popular thing to blame climate change. It was just a phenomenon. That's what happened. It was, uh, you know, these massive golf balls. And I remember as a kid, I remember being home with one or two of my siblings. I don't remember exactly who was home. And feeling that we're inside the house, we're safe. But we were very concerned because a member of the family was still out on the road. And I felt that they were they were vulnerable because they were out on the road and you have these massive hailstones. And if they could just get home from the storm, then, then they'd be protected and they'd be fine. And as I'm thinking this, worrying about this particular family member getting home and being safe from the storm, as I'm thinking this, I start to hear smashing glass. And a whole series of window panes in our house were smashed by these golf ball-sized um, um, hailstones. And it so happened that we had a tin roof, but the neighbors on both sides who had tiled roofs, not only did they have the windows smashed, but the tiles, the roof tiles were smashed and the rain started to come into the houses. And it was, a, at the time, I didn't necessarily realize it, but in, in, in retrospect, on reflection, it was an amazing insight about 
the the concept that you you actually can't necessarily guarantee that you have shelter. You can't guarantee that you can outpace the storm. Now, of course, you get those mishagoyim, you know, they get those people who are storm chasers. They want to run into the storm. And you think that's nuts. Why on earth would anybody want to run into the storm? But there's a, there's a valid reason to do so. Because storms, tornadoes in the United States are devastating. They cause loss of life and damage to property. So there are people who run into the storms for only one reason, because then they want to learn about the storm. Because once you learn about the storm, you can better protect yourself from it or better deal with the storm should it happen. And it's like a first responder, right? A first responder. The rest of us, last night I was driving home. I was at an event and I was driving home. And on the way home, there's this car overturned on the side of the road. And it was fascinating to see. So I pulled over to see that people were okay. Thank God nobody was injured. It was fascinating to see that there were a group of people who had gotten out of their cars. And they were helping the driver who had gotten out of his car safely they were helping him to right the car, to get it back onto its tires. Some people were just gawking, as is human nature, right? They're just sitting there looking, you know. And for me, as soon as I saw that nobody was hurt and there was nothing really that I could do, I left. The point, though, is some people run to the fire. Some people run into the storm. Most of us run for shelter. And so when there's a storm in our lives, when there's a particular challenge happening to us in our lives, whether it's personal whether it's on a communal level, whether it's on a national level, whether it is on a global level, we run for shelter. So for some people, the shelter is you get on a plane, you emigrate, you go somewhere else, and that's going to be your shelter. For another person, the shelter is that you go and you drink yourself into oblivion, or you take some other substance, and that's going to be your shelter. For another person, it's going to be something much healthier. They're going to go and meditate. That will be their shelter, because during that time, they're closer from the rest of the world. They don't have to think about it, and they're completely uh, in, a, in a healthy space. And maybe even for us as religious Jews, we'll say Shabbos is our shelter. So that's our day of escape. You know, downtime, no tech. Don't worry about the world. Don't get involved. That's our shelter. And you could really spend your whole life running as a refugee, as so many people from Ukraine are doing right now. And it's definitely not a place where a person finds joy and simcha as a refugee running for shelter. So we probably have to come up with a different model and hopefully a better model. It is 2.30 if you have just joined. This is Fresh Thinking. You're with Rabbi Shishla. We're together until just before 3 o'clock, and it's an open line. You can always comment and be part of the conversation. I'm asking, where does a person find Simcha in such a, a tenuous world as we're living in right now? You can comment on social media, or you could send a message, 34519 as the SMS line, 0618951019 as the Telegram uh, line to connect with us and of course social media it's myself or Haifam either on Facebook or on Twitter if you are just tuning in now to Rabbi on Fresh Thinking love to hear your views on what does it take for a person to bring Simcha real joy into their lives you can talk to us on social media Facebook or Chai FM that's sorry Chai FM or my Facebook page or at Chai FM or at Rabbi on Twitter uh, very interesting because I did ask earlier on Twitter, just on that note, about who who inspires you to be happy. And I can't remember now who it was that said, uh, let's see if I can find it because there were quite a number of responses. Here we go. Irvstein says, I seek it out myself. And that's a really good lesson. You know, if you're looking for happiness, don't rely on somebody else and don't expect that somebody's going to do it for you. That's another form of shelter. Somebody's going to help me. Somebody's going to rescue me. So when there's a storm in our lives, and it's almost absolutely guaranteed that there will be regular storms in our lives, then 
we run for shelter. It's a natural thing to do. What, what would you do if it was pouring rain, right? You'd run for shelter. I would run for shelter. It's interesting. Um, I once heard a story about the Baba Tereba walking in the rain without an umbrella. And somebody said, well, why don't you have an umbrella? And he said, a soldier does not carry an umbrella. It's an interesting perspective. And I think it's very much what we um, should be focused on when we talk about joy, when we talk about simcha, is the idea that running from a storm is an impossible task. You cannot outrun a storm. And if you run from this storm, you cannot necessarily avoid the next storm. So in the same way as the story I just told you, the hailstones that crashed through the windows of our house, and I thought that we were safe because we were inside the house. And it was, uh, you know, my, my family member who was out there on the road who was at, at risk. And the neighbors who had hailstones, hailstones come through their roof, I'm pretty sure we've had many of us the experience of flooding here in our homes during big storms. I know in Sydney right now there's a lot of flooding as well. So you can't run you can't run away from the storm. Storms will come. You couldn't run away from COVID. It wasn't possible. You couldn't run away from it. We can't run away from the fact that at some point in our lives we'll have certain challenges that are just endemic to the human experience. So the question then is if you can't run from the storm or you can try and you'll keep doing it and live the life of a refugee, the alternative is to be a storm chaser, not a storm chaser that you're looking for storms, but to confront the storm and say, okay, so I've got this difficulty in my life. I've got to stop believing that my simcha, my joy will happen once the difficulty has been alleviated. And I'll tell you where you see this when you encounter this very very acutely, and I'm going to share from a personal experience over here, is when you reach a point that you realize that a particular issue cannot be resolved. So I'll give you the example. Our youngest daughter, she had various acute medical issues, landed up in hospital multiple times, and we kept thinking, okay, well, this time she was in hospital, but she'll get better. And then we'll be happy, right? Then everybody will be happy. Then the family won't be so stressed anymore. Her siblings won't be so anxious anymore because she'll be, she'll have that refur shalema that everybody always wishes you, right? Refur shalema, complete healing. And then at some point, two years ago, we received a formal diagnosis of her condition and it doesn't, doesn't go away. I mean, we pray for it. We believe in miracles and we're not willing to relinquish the possibility of something supernatural. But in the natural order, this is a, this is Something doesn't go away. And and to use the words of doctors, because I, I don't want to make uh, any predictions over here, you know, she's not getting better. Then it becomes a realization that we had to have as a family that this is a storm that doesn't abate. So now you've got two choices. We, we had two choices. The first choice is to say, well, that's it. We're living in a storm and nobody survives storms. Now, I'm not unique in telling you the story because I can assure you now there must be dozens of people, including many people I'm sure who are listening right now, who have had very severe experiences in their lives of coming to confront the fact that a particular storm is not going to go away. If, God forbid, somebody has lost a person, particularly if they lost them suddenly, that storm, that overwhelming sense of life is never going to be okay, that doesn't go away. It doesn't dissipate. They, you know, people use these glib references and they throw out cute little social media memes about after the rain, there's the rainbow and the blue skies and all that wonderful stuff. There are certain situations that don't resolve. They don't get better. They don't go away. And the principle of simcha, the principle of joy, should never be contingent on the storm going away because then there are certain circumstances in our lives where we could acknowledge that it's impossible for me to ever have simcha. 
And in, in the early stages of a person dealing with a storm that will never go away, it is the most natural thing in the early stages for a person to believe, I will never be happy again. It's not possible. I will never have simcha again. And the reality is that in some cases, perhaps that is the reality. I don't know. It's not for me to judge. I can only speak about my own experience and things I've learned or am learning from that experience. If a person turns into the storm, you know, it's like when you're driving and, and the car skids. So your natural reflex is to turn the wheel in the direction away from where you're skidding. But in an advanced uh, driving course, they're going to teach you to steer into the skid. That's not the natural way that you'd expect to deal with it. And it's the same thing. The natural reflex is if there's a storm in my life, I'm going to run and look for shelter. And that shelter has to be somewhere away from the problem. Some of those problems don't go away. Some of those problems most of us have in our lives. At least one problem that never goes away. It, just, it dogs us wherever we go in our lives. So to turn into the storm, to look the storm in the eye, which takes a huge amount of courage and a huge amount of optimism, opens the possibility for a degree of joy, of simcha, of happiness in our lives that we not only didn't believe possible in the storm, we actually didn't believe it possible before there was a storm. That means to say that all of us in our lives, probably in the back of our minds, have a, a, a clear thought about it. If this would ever happen, I don't think I'd ever be able to deal with it. And then when you look that storm in the eye, you say, hang on a second, maybe my prediction was wrong. And maybe there's a possibility for great growth, development, and happiness that I never, ever expected. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So yeah, we're talking about the storm, the storm that each of us has in our lives, the storm that threatens our capacity for, for simcha, for happiness, for joy, for meaningful living, and the, how the nature of a person is to run from the storm. And the truth is, if we acknowledge this, I think this is key, if we acknowledge certain, certain principles, then it helps us to be able to not only survive the storm, but actually to rise from the storm. You know, I was thinking about it. I spoke earlier about being in a, on a plane with turbulence. When when planes take off, they always take off into the wind. Which, if you're not a pilot or you don't understand aerodynamics, as I don't, you think that's that's strange. Why would you do that? Why would you deliberately try to accelerate? Because that's what you need to do in order to take off. You've got to accelerate. Why would you accelerate knowing that there is air resistance? Knowing that there's a wind pushing you in the opposite direction doesn't make any sense. You should have the wind behind you, right? And I feel that in today's society, we, we live our lives hoping for tailwinds. We live our lives helping for something that's going to come and push us along, something that's going to carry us, something that's going to inspire us, something that's going to cheer us up, something that's going to help our mood. And and that's why the, the antidepressant industry is flying. That's why self-help books are flying off the shelves. Because at the end of the day, we're all looking for something that's just going to push us along, push us along because life has so many challenges and there. there's so much resistance. We need that tailwind. What's interesting about flight, the reason the plane takes off into the headwind, if I understand it correctly, maybe there's a pilot out there who can correct me. If I understand it properly, it's because the resistance of that headwind is actually what helps the plane take off quicker. That means to say this. 
in order for a plane to fly, and I don't want to get overly technical of you, but basically think about it. plane weighs a certain amount, and so it has to be able to lift outside, beyond the, the gravitational pull. Otherwise, it's just going to fall down. And then it's got to move forward. So the two things a plane has to do, it has to be able to lift and it has to be able to move forward. If the whole objective of the plane is moving forward, well, then tailwinds are fantastic. And that's why they get into these Gulf streams and you know, sometimes your flight is considerably shorter on, on an international flight than it was on, in the opposite direction because now you've got this tailwind. So when you're trying to move forward, tailwinds are great. But when you want to lift yourself up, and the reality is that a big part, maybe even the largest part of our lives is about lifting ourselves up, becoming higher people, transcendent people. In order to lift yourself up, you need the friction of that, of that, the resistance of that headwind because it actually gets under the wings and actually helps the wings so that the plane can lift and climb even quicker than if it was using a tailwind. I think it's a fantastic metaphor for what goes on in life. But there's one element to the metaphor that we have to understand in order to appreciate how we can have simcha even in the most tempestuous times of our lives. When you see a storm, doesn't matter if you're sitting indoors watching it, if you're outside caught in the storm, doesn't really make a difference. When you watch a storm develop, a thunderstorm develop, you know for certain that that is Hashem's handiwork. You're not doing it. Your neighbor's not doing it. The person who really hates your guts is not the person who has remote controlled that cloud to fly over you and dump the rain on you. You acknowledge that that is God sending the storm. Now, you might not be happy about the timing of it. You would have wished for God to send the storm a few hours earlier, a few hours later, so it wouldn't interfere with your plans. The reality is you understand that it's something that's outside of your control. Now, when things are outside of our control, we panic a little bit. And that's why I was speaking earlier about the, the Discam app ad and the fact that you're going to have this delivered to your house at, in 60 minutes. That gives us this illusion of control. Okay, so I can push some buttons, can even have a preloaded shopping list because I know pretty much what I'm going to get on a monthly basis. So in the app, I can have that preloaded shopping list. So within five minutes, I've already selected or deselected the appropriate items. And now I know I have control. Push go. I've got money on the credit card. In 60 minutes time, those groceries or those medical supplies are going to arrive at my door. That gives me the sense of control. The minute I lose that sense of control, 60 minutes go by and the delivery hasn't happened, I start to panic. It's a big issue of our sense of simcha. And when we start to panic, we start running for shelter. Okay, so if you're if your delivery hasn't arrived, you'll say to yourself, okay, maybe I'll wait 10 more minutes before I send off one of those complaints to the uh, helpline on, on the app or, or phone disk and say, what's going on over here, you know? But sometimes we, we panic and we, we do much more radical things. So we panic and we, we run, maybe even run to another country. Maybe we run to another relationship. Maybe we run to another job. Because we panic, we say things have spiraled out of control and that's going to be bad. Now that's where our crossover in our thinking doesn't really, doesn't really do us any favors. Because I'm not in control does not equal, therefore it is bad. We like control. We relish control. We have this illusion and this addiction to control. But if we lose control, that doesn't mean something bad has happened, especially when you consider who is in control. So you look at that storm. You say, I don't control that storm. There's nothing I can do about it. I might have planned this picnic for six weeks or six months, 
now that that storm is coming, there is nothing that I could do to turn that storm around. Completely outside of my control. Is it a bad thing that's outside? No. When I sit on a plane, I have zero control over what happens in the cockpit. Zero control. But I'm completely at ease for that reason. Because the people who do have control of the cockpit are trained to have that control. That's why I can be at ease. Simcha is not the product of living the perfect life or the life that I can control. That is an illusion which I think has become prevalent in the 21st century. That if I cannot control things, that's bad. If things don't work out according to my schedule, that's bad. If things don't make me feel comfortable, that's bad. Storms are not bad. Not only do they have a productive impact on the the environment that we live in but sometimes storms teach us the best lessons you'll speak to the sailor who navigated his way through the storm or the pilot who flew through terrible turbulence and they'll often tell you that's actually that that was one of the most difficult and frightening elements of my experience of my career at the same time that's what made me who i am today that's what made uh, remember captain sullivan sully who landed the the plane in the hudson after they ran into the flock of geese That's what made him a hero. The scariest moment of his life is what made him into a hero. Sometimes the most scary, challenging, tumultuous areas, times of our lives, those are the ones that give us actually the greatest simcha. So we run for shelter thinking that that's going to protect us. Truth of the matter is sometimes we've got to look it in the eye and say, so who's controlling the storm? Why is the the storm in my life? Did I choose it? Did I necessarily choose a, God forbid, a health challenge? Did I choose that there would be COVID in the world? Did I choose that I'd live in the generation where Russia would invade Ukraine? I didn't choose any of those things. So I'm not the one controlling these scenarios. Now, let me ask myself the question, who is controlling those scenarios? Oh, those scenarios are controlled by the grand pilot. And the grand pilot knows exactly what he's doing and not only knows what he's doing, but what he does is in my best interest. Okay, if that's the case, I can allow myself the possibility of simcha even in the storm. I don't have to run and only then get simcha because I might run for the rest of my life. Can I actually look the storm in the eye and say, I know who made you and I know it was intended for me to gain something positive and uplifting out of it. The headwind is going to help me fly. That's a good starting point to be able to find Simcha even in these tumultuous times. I'd love to hear if anybody has any thoughts, insights on that. Go ahead, share it with us. Social media, Facebook or Twitter, Chai FM Rabbi Shish. Otherwise, 34519 on the SMS line 0618951019 on Telegram. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. All right, so wrapping up this uh, conversation, we're talking about simcha, we're talking about joy. How do you find joy in stormy times? I said Purim is in a week from now. Well, the Purim story is a great template for this because the Purim story was undoubtedly one of the greatest storms that the Jewish nation ever faced. It was the only time, only time in the whole of our history where there was a threat of genocide against the entire Jewish people. There was nobody who could escape. So it was undoubtedly the greatest storm. And there were Jews who tried to run for shelter. And the way that they tried to run for shelter was to show some kind of allegiance to the king, to Achashverosh. Maybe if we're nice to him, he'll be nice to us. Let's go to him for protection, for royal protection. So when he makes this massive feast, which effectively is to celebrate the downfall of the Jewish people, Jewish people go to the feast because they can't face the storm. They've already had the storm in in living memory of being driven from their land 
into the Babylonian territories, which had now been overtaken by the Persians. They couldn't face the thought of another storm that if you stand up to Ahasuerus and say, no, we're not going to be demeaned in this way and come to your feast that celebrates the destruction of our temple, maybe he's going to kick us out and we'll have to face another storm again. That's the irony. As long as we run from storms, we actually land up finding other and sometimes greater storms in our lives. In the middle of the Purim story, they get out and they confront and they say, okay, this... The, the, this, this has to be the way forward, actually, is not to run for our lives. We've got to confront. So they have Esther in the palace, which is very useful, and Esther's got to go actually confront the king herself, and she's not so keen to do it. As she tells her uncle Mordechai, she says, I don't know what's going to happen. He could have my head. He's, you know, he's a highly unpredictable and stable character. He hasn't called me for X amount of time. You know. But they go. They confront the issue, and they say, the reason there is a Haman is to lift us up. The reason there's a headwind is so we can fly. So let's lift ourselves up. Let's get together in our shuls and pray. Let's get together and fast. Let's recommit ourselves to our Judaism. They don't run and hide and say, maybe I shouldn't be Jewish anymore because Jews are hunted people. Let's run away and shelter ourselves under a different identity. They confront and they say, we're going to be Jewish. We're going to be committed. We're going to use this as a catalyst for self-growth. We're going to use this as a catalyst for deeper connection to the divine. And what do they produce as a result? Firstly, massive miracles. Secondly, the most joyous date on our calendar, Purim. It's a template and a tremendous lesson for all of us. If we're going to live life running from problems in the hope that that's going to give us Simcha, don't know if we'll ever find Simcha. If we live in the illusion that Simcha lives on a tropical island somewhere, we may never make it to that tropical island. But when we confront that storm directly and say, here is the way to rise, that's when we rise. So lots to think about over the course of Purim. I want to wish you a happy Purim. Not only that the day itself should be happy, but the joy of Purim should overflow into the rest of the year. And please God, we should see miracles, including the ultimate miracle, the coming of Mashiach now. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.